0: Hi everyone welcome to the sacred musings podcast it's the 5th of may 22 it's podcast number 33 and today we're looking at the second part of the building a christian worldview series looking at creation so welcome to the podcast everyone it is the second part of the building a christian worldview series and the first part was the overview which we looked at a couple of weeks ago. Um, I didn't have time to, to do one uh, last week. But uh, yeah, two weeks ago on the podcast was the the, uh, the overview. And so if you haven't seen that, you might like to go back or, or listen to it. You might like to go back and have a, a catch up of that before you go through this, this one. Just to let you know as well on YouTube, I'm also making this series available as a separate series apart from the podcast, just because I thought it might be helpful for people to have it as a separate thing rather than, you know, the podcast is kind of looking at news and thoughts um, at that particular time. But I think the Building a Christian Worldview series might be useful in a, a wider setting. So I'm making it available there on YouTube and you can find the link if you're on the podcast, you can find the link below um, to the uh, to the YouTube channel if you're interested. Um, so normally I start with some uh, links and things, but today I just want to start with one thing which is, I wrote a new article on my blog um, a few days ago, which just says uh, the barbaric way we treat children will be the undoing of the West. I was thinking about um, well I was thinking about the news about Roe versus Wade in America, and I was thinking about abortion, and it just struck me how everything in our society is really throwing children under a bus at the moment. You know, they are treated terribly. That's there's no other word for it they are just treated abominably by society, I think. We are really, we we say we care about children, but our actions show actually that we don't care about children, and this is what I was writing about. And there were just a couple of reflections that I'd like to add to that piece, which kind of occurred to me since since I've written it, and which I might follow up on at some point, but I thought I'd share with you today. The first one is that our perception of risk has been completely inverted. I was thinking about this, I mentioned in the in the blog post that just as one bullet point, that children have been given a vaccine which they didn't need. You know, if you think about the risk of children dying from COVID, it's minuscule. You know, we've known since the beginning that children don't really get ill from COVID. It's just a mild disease to them. It's very like the flu. In fact, it's very, very similar to the flu in the younger age groups, so um, that uh, and yet they have been given a vaccine which is licensed only under emergency usage. And interestingly, I read a, um, an article on the Brownstone Institute um, by Vine, Dr. Vinay Prasad why standards so lax on COVID drug approvals, who made the point that there is no emergency for children, that the emergency when it comes to Covid was among the older age groups, not among children. There is no emergency. It's comparable to flu. And so why have the vaccines been licensed under emergency usage for children when there is no emergency? And this is what made me think, you know, we've we've completely inverted our our sense of risk. Because, you know, you think about the the, the steps, the measures that people have taken over the past couple of years to protect from COVID. You think of the perspex screens not sitting together in parks, you know, making being forced to queue one metre apart outside the supermarket and all of those kind of things. Things which had really no evidential basis. And yet we were asked to do for safety and the things we're even asked to do uh, now for, for the sake of safety from COVID. And yet when you think about the vaccine then I would have said 10 years ago if you'd have asked most people on the street you know the man on the Clapham omnibus uh, should you give a, a, a vaccine which is licensed only under emergency usage and it hasn't gone through its full safety trials we don't know the long term safety da- uh, safety data we don't know the long term effects um, and It is for a disease which children largely do not suffer from. Should we give that vaccine to children? I think most people would say no, at least would have said 10 years ago. That's where I think our perception of risk has just been so inverted that if you just mention COVID now, it justifies just about anything, so long as it's supposedly protecting us from COVID, even if it makes very little logical sense. That was my first reflection. The second reflection is the way that um the Bible often talks about widows and orphans as a shorthand for the, the vulnerable. Um so you know, looking after widows and orphans in their in their distress, that's seen as the mark of being a you know, a shorthand for being a you know, doing good according to the Bible. And it struck me that the elderly are not included in that. That the elderly, yes, they will get old, they will die. But death is just a part of of what it means to be human um, for reasons which we'll we'll come on to. But death is just a part of things. And so, you know, we, we don't have to go to extreme lengths to protect the elderly from death. But particularly, we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't throw children under a bus. To protect the elderly from death—that's—that's that's getting our priorities completely the wrong way round, and that's what we've done over the past couple of years. We've thrown children under a bus in order to protect those who were probably going to die quite soon anyway, and that is a terrible getting our priorities wrong. You know, it, it just strikes me that that is that is um, yeah complete inversion again of what is right and good. So those are my two reflections there. That It just seems that everything is topsy-turvy in our society at the moment. and um, Or those are two examples of things being topsy-turvy. Uh, I'll just leave that with you. And do have a look at the article that I mentioned, um, uh, that, that I wrote, if you'd like to. And um, I'll, I'll try and put a link to that other article about standards and, and vaccines down below uh, as well. So with all of that said... Let's move on now to the main segment where we're looking at the Building a Christian Worldview series on creation. So today we are continuing the building a Christian worldview series and we're looking at uh, creation today which is the first step in the Christian worldview. So we looked at this in the overview last time um, two weeks ago, but let me just refresh your memory that um, there are four steps in the Christian worldview uh, creation, then the fall, redemption and consummation and it's creation that we're looking at today, but we're going to look at each four of those in turn as we build up a Christian worldview, and then what we'll do is we'll look at how that might make a difference in some areas of our lives, and particularly I'm thinking about things like the government and what, what difference it makes um, in terms of how we see the government, but but you know obviously with reference to what's been happening in society uh, the last couple of years, but in, just in general. So um, we're looking at creation today, now, why does it matter to look at creation? Creation is one of those things that is often taught to children. I mean, in our church toddler group, for example, we teach them, you know, God made everything. He's a great big God. He He made everything, and you think, oh, isn't that nice? You know, for the children, to 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 know that God made everything. That's a, that's a. But it doesn't seem very relevant to us in real life. But I think creation, looking at creation, is one of the most important things that we can do with respect to all of the the confusion in our society today. And to illustrate that, I'm just going to start with uh, a, a brilliant article by Kevin DeYoung. He is a pastor from America, and he wrote a blog post called We Live in Confusing Times on the 28th of April. It's on his blog, and I'll put the link down below if you want to read it. I'd love to read you the whole thing because it's a tour de force, but let me just read you the opening few paragraphs. Gender is a social construct, period. At the same time, it's always good when women can break glass ceilings. We should celebrate all the firsts that we see women do, because women are certainly not men. By women, of course, I mean anyone who identifies as a woman, including people we used to know as men. Sex is a socially derived category that assigns certain physical differences and then labels those differences as male or female. There are no immutable distinctions between men and women. We are all on a spectrum. We can all change. Unless we are talking about sexual desires. Coming out as gay or lesbian is something we should all be proud of because people can't change the way they were born. In fact, it should be illegal for doctors and counsellors and religious leaders to try to change people who were born a certain way. And on it goes. And he goes on to talk about things like race as well. And I think it's a brilliant tour de force of where we are as a society, which is, in a word, confused. There are very mixed messages coming, and there's no consistency in the way that people think. We're just told to think a certain way, even if though the, the different ways are um, mutually contradictory. That is, that's the problem. And I, I was just thinking about this, you know, as a society, how have we got to this point where the question "What is a woman?" is a difficult question for MPs to answer, and it's become a bit of a gotcha question that um, interviewers like to ask MPs on TV or the radio or whatever. Well, how have we got to that point? And the answer is found in, in the Bible. This is Romans, which we were, um, we've been looking at in the podcast over the last um, few weeks. But Romans chapter 1 verse 25 says, They, humanity, exchanged the truth about God for a lie. That's the root of the problem. We exchange the truth about God for a lie. But we want to dethrone the Creator. And we want the power to create ourselves at root that is the problem that we want to be autonomous we want to be self-creating we don't want to just accept the way that we are made uh, according to our creator but we want to create ourselves in our own image so we want to make we want to make ourselves the creator that is the problem we've taken god down from his throne and we put ourselves there and we said no we'll create ourselves thank you very much Only the problem is that's led to all sorts of illogicality and confusion because you just can't do that and get away with it. And this is exactly what we're seeing. So what does the Bible say then about creation? Well, the very first words in the Bible from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 is this famous words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, these, I think, are the most disruptive words in the Bible. What does it say? It says that there is a God. Now, we looked at this in podcast 29 a few weeks ago. If you haven't watched that or listened to that, then you might like to go back and have a look where we thought about whether God was just a useful fiction. But the idea that there is a God there, that's fundamental and that changes everything. Because it means that we are not God. It means that we are, are not God. And actually, as it says, because he came before us, he, he created us, not the other way around. You know, so therefore, we are not the creator. We live in God's world. He does not live in our world. That's a fundamental thing. We live in God's world. And I think that's massive know the implications of that are far-reaching and it's what we've been looking at as we've gone through this podcast you know you start with the existence of God and the fact that God exists and he created us that's that that next step so really what what this means is that if we want to find meaning and purpose and fulfillment in life then we must look to our creator if you want to find meaning and purpose and fulfilment, then we must look to our Creator. Because we don't find those things in ourselves, but actually they're only in God. And we can't find meaning and purpose in life without reference to God. That we need to look to Him to give us that purpose, because He made us. And He made us with a, a purpose in mind. So we should look to Him for to, to find out what that is. Now the idea of creation is not unique to Christianity, that a lot of religions or belief systems have this idea of creation. So what is distinctive about the Christian view of creation? What makes that different to other other religions, to other views of creation? And I'm going to focus on two things in this. I'm going to focus firstly on the goodness of creation. And then I'm going to focus on humanity in God's image. So we're going to look at both of those things, the goodness of creation and that humanity is made in the image of God. Those, I think, are two important distinctives. You could talk about a lot of different things, but just for the sake of time, you know, we're not going to go through all of this. Okay, so the first thing then is the goodness of creation. That's one Christian distinctive. So in Genesis chapter one. It says six times, and God saw that it was good. That's six times in the first chapter of the Bible. And then at the end of that chapter, Genesis 1 verse 31, it says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. So God saw everything, and it was very good. Not just good, but very good. What does this mean then about creation? It means that the world reflects God's goodness and creativity and generosity. That the world teaches us something about God. It reflects his character and goodness. This is what it says in Psalm 19 verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. So there is a goodness about creation that what that means is, we as human beings are meant to enjoy it, you know, that the things of the body, the things of the earth, the things of the world, you know, enjoying a good meal, enjoying friendships, enjoying relationships, enjoying all of the things which we as human beings do. It's all good because it was all made by God. And that means that being spiritual is not about getting away from creation. Now, In the past, you may have heard about people like um, Simeon Stylites. I learned about him at college. He spent 37 years on a pillar in the desert. And he just had food kind of lifted up to him on a, with a rope. And just to keep himself alive. But you know, the idea was you would flee the temptations of the world around us. And you know, in order to be spiritual, in order to be godly, you needed to get away from everything in the world. And I think even today, a lot of people think Christianity is about that. And if you look at other religions, that's the kind of message that a lot of other religions proclaim, that we need to abstain from the things of the world in order to be spiritual. But that's not Christianity. Actually, Christianity, Jesus said, Christianity is about, you know, I came that they may have life and have it to the full. So Christianity is about enjoying life to the full. That doesn't mean doing wrong things. It just means enjoying the things that God made in the right way. So actually, to be a Christian should be to be uh, to enjoy life the most, because we are enjoying all of the things that God made with him in, in the right ways. So that's the first important distinctive of Christian creation, that the world is good. And that's a very different message to the message that you would hear from other other religions as well the second distinctive of christian creation is humanity in the image of god and i've put in my imago dei there if you're watching this on youtube on the screen imago dei, dei which is um, a Latin phrase, the image of God, just because it fit on the slide a bit better. Um, I don't tend to drop Latin phrases into conversation. I'm not one of those people. But um, if you're you're the kind of person who likes to drop Latin phrases into the conversation, by the way, no offense, you know, that's all power to you. But, you know, that's just not me. Um, So let me just read you a couple of verses again from Genesis chapter one. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So this is particularly talking about Um, humanity the creation of humanity and it says he created mankind in his own image Uh, in the image of God he created the male and female he created them a very poetic way of describing it so what does this teach us it teaches us that male and female are equally created in the image of God and that's something which is I think has been a distinctively Christian teaching I mean sometimes people think that Christianity is about oppressing women but actually that this way back in in the first chapter of the bible says that male and female are cre- created equally in god's image that men and women have equal dignity and worth before god and that's a that's a huge thing isn't it you know that actually to say that men and women are equal you I know mean, it took us a long time as a as a a world as a society to to really come to grips with that and i still think that you know there is there is a way to go um although actually as we may look into not not in the way that society is going at the moment but anyway we'll um come back to that another time um so male and female equally created in the image of god but also are distinct and complementary so that there are there is male and there is female and they are different, they are complementary, and that's something again which is just comes across quite clearly here. Um, and I think this is something lovely to think about, which is you know, to be a man or to be a woman is actually God's gift to you, it's God's gift to you, and it's God's gift to the world, you know, that you don't just interact with the world as a person but you interact as a man or as a woman and you know however God has made you is is his gift to the world and how he wants how you know you have a contribution to make in just the way that you are and I think that is a lovely thing actually to think about that you know God made us that way and made us to be a blessing. Um. And the, the third thing here is that mankind is not a blight on the earth, but is actually intended to rule. So you know we as human beings are not some kind of parasite or virus on the earth or a blight, but we are there to rule creation. And actually that's what it, what it means to be in God's image. In the old days, and I say in the old days, I mean way, way back, then you know before the days of t v before the days of newspaper or the media, how would you, as a citizen of a country, know who your king was or your ruler was? But they would put images statues of themselves up around to remind you of who who's um you know who was king and it was a kind of message to you that you know there was a king and and that's kind of like how we are to be with creation that we are to be God's vice regents you know we are rulers God has delegated if you like some authority to us so we are supposed to rule creation in the way that he does so that's that's the um says something massive about human beings doesn't it you know just how how much dignity and worth there is to human beings it made me think a bit of that speech by Hamlet um do you know Hamlet where he says, um, oh, what is man? I can't remember it off the top of my head. I studied Hamlet at English A-level and um, I've forgotten most of it. But I just remember that speech where you know he talks about how, how amazing man is. And, and that is the case, isn't it? You know, that actually to be made in the image of God is a massive deal for us. It, it actually gives us a dignity and worth, you know, that of all creatures that are on the earth, only human beings are made in the image of God and so how we treat human beings and how we deal with human beings is significant and of course we looked about uh, about that a bit in the lockdowns and and uh, the dignity of choice and the dignity of uh, uh, so on, all, all of those things but we won't go into that now so that's the second thing so those two things then, um, to be uh, the creation being good and being made in the image of God, those are two really key distinctives of Christian, the Christian understanding of creation. So, let's think then about where creation conflicts with our current ideology that we are uh, that we're facing. Um, there are quite a few areas as you can imagine so I'm just going to list a few of the ones which I think are are key perhaps you can think of more do feel free to comment on either on YouTube or on um, uh, uh, what's it telegram um, I've forgotten the name of it for a second there uh, do comment on YouTube or telegram if there are any um, any other things that you 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 know that strike you about where the creation actually rubs up against culture I'd love to hear what you think these are a few that I've put. Um, So the first thing is transgender. Uh, We cannot create ourselves as man and woman as we choose. And it, it is very striking, isn't it, how a lot of the talk, the transgender sort of talk is we want the freedom to be who we want to be. In other words, we want to create ourselves. If I'm a man, but I want to be a woman, then I can just recreate myself as a woman. I can do it with surgery. I can do it with hormones or whatever, but I can recreate myself and that's that's at the heart of the battle, isn't it? Is a transgender man actually a, a man, you know, and, and vice versa? All of that kind of thing. Uh, secondly, homosexuality and marriage. Um, we didn't actually go into the passage about marriage. That's in Genesis chapter 2. But it, it was designated, God designed it to be between a man and a woman. And that, again, is something which is um, very... Offensive to say. I mean, think about what happened to politicians like either Jacob Rees-Mogg or particularly Tim Farron a few years ago, who said was hounded uh, about whether homosexuality was was a sin when the media found out that he was a Christian. And but this is um, this is the thing that you know we have to accept that God has made us and made our bodies in a particular way, and sometimes the way that we feel is actually. Not aligned with our, our bodies, and that's a problem, and we need to look at that, and we'll come on to that more next week. Uh, but actually God has designed us in a particular way, and we will achieve uh, best outcomes when we align ourselves with the way that God has made us and when we look to Him. Uh, the third thing is climate change. I said human beings are not a blight or a parasite on the earth. The earth should serve our needs. It's interesting, if you look at a lot of the climate change, kind of what they want us to do, the climate change sort of lobby, it's very like rolling the clock backwards, really. And it's very anti-human. There's a, a point which I think Brendan O'Neill makes well. I've heard him make this a few times, either on Spiked or on um, his podcast. But he talks about how the um, the green movement is actually quite anti-human and anti sort of mankind it's almost like you know that the world would just be better if all human beings died off and we just let the world get on with it which is not at all the way that God intended it to be you know we were intended to rule and to work the earth and the earth should serve our needs and we should also be good stewards of the earth and I think that's something which we can maybe come on to next week but you know that, that that I think there is something fundamental in the way that the green movement operate which is actually quite quite unhealthy and just as one example by the way I, I've got a headline there from the Guardian uh, want to fight climate change have fewer children want to fight climate change have fewer children that's what the Guardian said a few years ago and I uh, uh, that quite a lot of the greens are saying this as well just have fewer children that's a direct Um, conflict with what the bible says about children being a blessing and as it says in genesis fill the earth and subdue it you know that was a something which was intended by god um, to 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 procreate to have children Um, and they're a blessing so it's again it's this direct conflict you know reducing us as human beings rather than as the christian doctrine of creation would say we need to to grow as as humanity we need to be the people that god made us to be the final thing i put there is secularism our lives can only find meaning and purpose with god that if we try and build society without god which is what we are trying to do at the moment i think then we won't find purpose and meaning and all of the chaos that we've seen will ensue and It is exactly as Solzhenitsyn um, said. Now, why has all this happened? Men have forgotten God. That's why all this has happened. I've come back to that a few times on the podcast. So that is, that's the thing that secularism, you know, you can't find meaning and purpose without God, that we need God to find it. And that's exactly what we're seeing in society. So that's the doctrine of creation. I've skimmed through it quite quickly. As I said last time, If you'd like a slightly more in-depth look at this, then on my other channel on Understand the Bible, there is a video or a series actually about uh, what is Christianity starting with creation where we look into this in a little bit more detail. So you might be interested in that. Uh, Next time, what we're going to just to be thinking about is the fall. Uh, So if creation is so good, then why do, for example, suffering, war, conflict, divorce, child abuse... All of those things actually exist. That's the question that we're going to think about, and we're going to come on to the uh, to the Christian answer to that problem, and then look at the solution and and you know how all of those things will be removed in the end. So that's coming up next. Um, don't um, do make sure that you're subscribed if you'd like to get these. You can subscribe here on YouTube, or you you can subscribe on the pod uh, on the podcast if you want to get this in podcast format. Um, either way and I've also made this available as a separate series and if you're watching this as a separate series on on YouTube then welcome there's a podcast as well (laughs) um, which you might be interested in where I just talk about news as well so just that little plug there do have a little look around and see if there's anything else which um, which you find interesting Um, but in the meantime I'll finish this section and um, if you're on the podcast we'll continue if you're not I'll see you again soon So let's finish then with a reflection from the Bible and we'll be continuing through Romans as we have been doing the last few weeks. Um, but this is really where Paul's argument gets going. So he's, he's had the introduction and now he's diving into the argument and this is the argument which kind of gets sustained then through the rest of the, the letter. Um, um, this in the my translation of the Bible in the NIV, this is quite a big section, so I'm not going to read it all. I'm just going to read the first three paragraphs, which is verses 18 to 25. And then next week, we'll look at the rest of it. So we'll go through it a bit more slowly. Um, so this is this is what it says. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God, They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Okay, so um, there's a lot you could say about this section, but let's just take a kind of big picture view. It's saying that God's wrath, his anger is being revealed from heaven against all of the, the godlessness and wickedness of humanity. It says, who? Suppress the truth by their wickedness. Suppress the truth. What that means is that we, by nature, as human beings, our truth suppresses. That we know God exists. We know he is there. And yet we choose to suppress that truth. We ignore it. We suppress it. And um, we exchange the truth about God for a lie, as he puts it. So although we can see that God exists, although it's you know we have I think each of us has a sense of, of God because he we're in God's image. We each have that. There's a phrase: everyone has a God-shaped hole. You know I think everyone knows that God exists, uh, and yet, and, and that's obvious to everyone. But we suppress that. We didn't glorify God, uh, God. Didn't glorify him as God. We didn't give thanks to him. But instead, it says. Their thinking became futile. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Thinking about what we were looking at earlier, that Kevin de Young article, I mean, that's a perfect example of our thinking becoming futile, isn't it? The way that as a society, our thinking has just gone completely um, irrational. That's the case. Um, and they, they became fools. They claimed to be wise. They became fools. And what a um, what a statement, I think, you could say about the woke, <laughs> you know, claiming to be wise and becoming fools because you're not basing things on the truth. Um, they exchange the glory of the immortal God for images. And this is what we do as human beings. We substitute gods, we create substitute gods. So instead of worshipping and giving glory to God and worshipping Him as creator, and as, as we've been looking at in the, the main section of the podcast, we start to worship other things. We put other things in God's place. That's what we do. And, and so we end up looking, going down a bad path. In fact, it says God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity. That's because we've exchanged God for our own God substitutes, whatever that may be and actually that God has given us over to what we want. God has given us over in our desires. C.S. Lewis once said, There are two kinds of people in the world. People who say to God, Thy will be done, and others uh, to whom God says, Okay then, have it your way. And believe me, for God to say, Okay then, have it your way, and just to abandon us to what we want is actually the a terrible thing and we'll come on to that uh, next week. But it is when we when we seek to de-god God, when we seek to to take him down from his throne and put ourselves there or put something there of our own choosing, that is that is the problem. When we start worshipping the creation without the creator. And that's why looking at creation is so important because thinking about God our creator and how the world is how God made it we need that that's a fundamental starting point for building a Christian worldview and so much of the language here in Romans chapter one is about creation and about how we we subvert creation when we take God out of it and we end up harming ourselves and we're actually under God's wrath and anger when we do that so that's a read and that's where we are as a society I mean, this is something, and we'll see this more as we go through next week as well, but you can just see this happening. It seems to me you don't have to to actually look very far to see exactly this happening. This is as plain as the, the nose on your face, that you turn away from God, turn away from the Creator, and chaos ensues. That's what's happened. That is what's happening and that there is one remedy, which is turning back to God. That's the thing which we need to do. And we need to put God in his rightful place in our society as our and honour him as our Creator. So that's the, the biblical reflection from Romans 1 this week. And we'll come on to the next part of the passage next week. But let's take a moment now to pray as we come to the end and ask for God's help in, in all of these things. And so, Heavenly Father, we do recognise that this is descriptive of our society at the moment, having turned away from you, having exchanged uh, the truth about you for a lie, that we are reaping the fruit of that. And we pray, Lord, that many in our society would wake up before it is too late, that we would turn back to you and honour and reverence you as our creator. We pray that uh, you would help us to do that in our own lives, day by day, to worship you and give you um, all that you, the glory and honour that you deserve as our Creator. And we pray that you would uh, help us as a society, Lord, to have right priorities, to be able to look after those who need it the most, and to be able to protect those who need protecting, uh, while at the same time being able to balance um, that which is right, uh, all of the different risks that there are. Please help us to have a right and appropriate sense Of um, the way that we should take. So please look after us. I pray for everyone listening to this and watching this. I pray for your blessing upon each one. Please keep us safe and help us day by day in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining me today, everyone. If you're on YouTube, I have to say, don't forget the like and subscribe. And um, if you're on the podcast, then I'd love it if you could leave me a rating, even a review. Um, that helps other people to find the podcast as well and if you're new to the podcast by the way I've noticed the numbers go up a little bit welcome and um, do make yourself known on telegram the links are all down there below and if you'd like to support me financially you know I'm I'm sort of freelance really Um, I don't have a regular income as such so um, you can buy me a coffee the link is down there below and I really do appreciate all of that but just all of your engagement is is really encouraging to me thanks so much everyone and I hope to see you again next week In the meantime, God bless.